Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9pm Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-5651. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to BeUnique.org. That's B-U-N-E-K-E dot org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premier magazine. So sit back, get comfortable, and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Be Unique's Unscripted, another great episode. Unfortunately, there is no call-ins tonight because we are pre-recording this due to scheduling conflicts amongst the people that are involved. And speaking of the people that are involved, I would like to introduce our guests this evening. They are Combe Holland and Dean Wilkinson. Combe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin? Yeah. um, Hi, everybody. Um, I'm an author, writer, uh, and full-time alchemist. Not many people call themselves alchemists these days. They don't. Uh, I, <laughs> I came from the world of publishing. I was responsible for the publication of a of one of the best-selling books of our time, The Alchemist by Paolo right. Calo. Right. And um, I then went on and discovered what I believe was the secret of his success in life and in his book. And I wrote my own book called The Secret of the Alchemist. And I have a full-time online school called School of Alchemy Transformation, where I help people transform their lives in the power of magic. So there you are. Oh, wow. Colm, thank you very much for uh, being with us this evening. Dean, how about yourself? I'm a 33-year trades guy um, in the garage door industry and still in it, still at the edges of it anyway. And um, I am also have a nonprofit called Epic Work, where we teach trades people how to prosper in the trades and i also have a uh writing a book and around the intersection of science spirituality and entrepreneurship for those same purposes that i call it entree spirituality oh wow well tonight with all the credits you have we are discussing your brand new book the true origins of jesus the myth behind the man um what a title. Uh, first off, let me tell you how it floored me is because I was born and raised a Southern Baptist, and I believed in Jesus and the deity of Jesus because the Bible told me so. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of like my background. Um, so I know a lot of people 
I know a lot of people that are listening um, have a firm, you know, deep, you know, absolutely grasp on their faith in Jesus. So I want to go ahead and jump right out of the gate. And Colm and Dean, I want to ask you to please feel free to take these questions uh, in, you know, whichever one wants to answer first is fine. What are some myths that we have heard for years about Jesus Christ? Um, oh gosh, where to start? Oh, no, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, all right, let me let me make a recommendation for for. Um, by the way, me, uh, I'll let Dean speak for himself. But um, yeah, I found Jesus uh, at the age of eighteen. Okay, um, and that transformed my life. That was the beginning of my transformation. But I'm going to use the word beginning because uh, for me that's really important. Um, that encounter with the overwhelming unconditional love of Jesus um, into my young life um, was so transformational that it set me off on a journey. And um, that journey I call transformation. In yes. other words, my encounter with Jesus was just the beginning. And it was the beginning of finding what I believe was my true self, but also the beginning of finding the, you know, the truth about who Jesus actually is. And for me, speaking for me, that journey has meant a maturity, what I was certainly a maturity of, of intellect in my mind, where rather than taking the stories in the New Testament in particular at face value, in other words, you know, thinking that I'm reading an historical document, um, the, the more I've grown in, in my faith, the more I realize that actually this thing called a historical document was never meant to be taken as a historical document. Really? And, the, and that there is a lot of very mature, very, very um, hardworking theologians within the Christian faith, including the evangelical uh, charismatic Christian faith, who, who can tell you that actually the power of the stories of Jesus um, are more powerful when we realize that that's what they are, stories. stories. These are, story is another word for myth. So it doesn't mean that we're being fooled. It doesn't oh, mean that yeah. the stories aren't valuable, that they don't contain treasure. Um, on the contrary, they actually, when we realize that what these stories are there for and what their purpose is, they become 10 times more powerful. So when I think of Jesus walking on the water, and I'm sure we've heard all heard some great sermons from some great preachers on that subject. Yes, we have. Yeah, when we, you know, when we when we allow ourselves to be transformed in that story from actually thinking here's a human being here's a guy and the the actual you know the, the most important thing is here's a guy actually walking on water as you know in a miraculous way when we move beyond that and we actually think well what does it what does you know what's the real truth behind that story what does what does it mean he was walking on the water you know why was he walking on the water what was it that the disciples in the boat needed to know about the transformational power of Jesus to deal with fear, mm -hmm. for example, 
now you're talking about now we're getting into the real meat of right. what the the so myth and story that for the earliest Christians was taken for granted. They knew they were listening to stories. Right. Because in those days, nobody read anything called history because this history as we know it today didn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> nobody had a room full of books of history on this, that, and the other, the American independent or whatever. You know, I mean, so um, the power of myth and the power of story, we, um, this, this is what this book um, is all about. Uh, right. we believe, has a stronger role to direct the human psyche than actual faith in historic facts. So that's my that's my opening gambit on yeah. why Dean and I wanted to <laughs> get this book out then. And okay. and I'll tell you, I, I saying something like that in my Sunday school class would have had me thrown out. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Dean, what is, your, what is your take on that? I mean, do you I, agree I, with Colin? I might have... Uh, on a lot of it, yes. I mean, his journey is his, right? His journey of transformation, just like yours is yours. You know, each of us has that journey that has different story elements inside of it. Right. But I, you know, I saw, I too started as a Southern Baptist as far as, oh, you know, okay. starting to really getting, starting to search for, you know, the the way the world works, the way the, well, you know, the, the Christians and yeah, what. It was pounded into our well. It was pounded into our heads, uh, literally, that the Bible was <laughs> to be taken literally. Yes. Uh, every every yes. instance yes. of Jesus, uh, you know, walking on the water, transforming, you know, water into wine, um, all of that. That is the literal. That really happened, and it's hard for some people, especially coming from my background. Uh, which I must admit, I'm not a Southern Baptist anymore, but I am coming from the background I was raised in. Uh, it's 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 almost uh, God, maybe this may be too strong of a word. It's almost heresy. That you're not taking the Bible literally. Right. Right. In that environment, it is it is it's something that you don't. don't well, when you question it, you hear silence. You can hear a pin drop. Exactly. But you can also ask why. Why is it? Why would that be happening? Why would they insist upon the literal interpretation of these stories? I don't know, Dean. Why don't you have an answer? <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can come in. Um, so one of my pet um, things that uh, that's grown um, over over many years. Um, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I'm 70 years old this year, so I've been around a few. Okay, you know, I've been around the tracks a few times. <laughs> um, and in the last uh, <clears throat> half of my life, pretty much, um, the um, the uh, an understanding of the human psyche has been really important to me. And I I know that psychology and psychiatrists within the Southern Baptist world, um, you know, is very kind of frowned upon, very but but things are moving, Tony. I genuinely believe from what I'm reading and from some of the conversations, there is a movement with even within that tradition of the church, which is, by the way, uh, guys, anybody coming from that, is not the only church tradition. It's one of many. But um, it's the one that you grew up in, so we'll, we'll, we'll take it for that. Okay. Um, even within that tradition, 
mature pastors and church leaders, male and female, are beginning to come to terms with the fact that the human condition, even of the people who are saved, um, isn't as simple and straightforward as to believing in the facts of the Bible. Right. In other words, people are dealing with much deeper and much more personal issues, which they struggle with. And the, and their simple faith in Jesus just isn't cutting it. And it's taken many years for that realization to come to pass. But it's, it is starting to happen. And I know some of your listeners are going to say, hey, hang on a minute. One of the reasons why, you know, like Tony and others, maybe one of the reasons is that I just couldn't find the answers I was looking for to my own dilemmas. And that was my story, Colm. Yeah. That was definitely my story. You know, yeah. starting out with Jesus, but then uh, investigating and getting to know more of the Eastern side religions, you know, like Buddhism. Yeah. Um, um, that was a greater that was a greater teacher to me. Um, I love the fact in Buddhism that, you know, you, you know, the Buddha says this and this and this and you can take it or leave it. Whereas when I was in Sunday school and when I was mm -hmm. growing up as a Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. no. OK, this is what was said. This is what you're to do. And sure. that really, you know, made choices limited. And like you're saying, I mean, if a person has questions, if a person has concerns, if a person is definitely and genuinely confused, that can be quite scary, don't you think? Uh, totally uh, absolutely and um as i say there is a genuine it's slow it's going to take decades but it's i believe it has started even within the southern baptist and and similar de denominations of christianity um there is a, a growing realization that if the church is to stay relevant and is to stop the bleed of right. people you know leaving on in sure. droves Sure. in droves yes. and getting back into lives you know of self-medication of stuff that's not good for you right you've got to this jesus story that we've got which is so powerful it is i mean the thing that dean and i want to say to everybody is that in in this book which we didn't write by the way just right. just a quick fyi the true origins of jesus was written by unfortunately a guy who passed not oh, too long ago a guy called jeff roberts Okay. And um, I stumbled across it, and I. <laughs> the th the reason Dean and I are in on this together is that we both said we wanted to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the book we wanted to both write. <laughs> it's like Jeff Roberts beat you to it, though, right? Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. You know, yes, um, yes. you saved us the trouble, and he did a great job. I mean, it's 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 awesome. So why is it awesome? So what Jeff was, he was a an investigative journalist yeah. on a newspaper in in the in, in England, and he grew up in Sunday school, like you telling me and others. And he um, he left the church at a young age, and he in later life he said, you know, what a what a waste. Um, you know, I invested all those younger years of my life, and I've got this Jesus guy swimming around in my psyche. Um, surely there's some something useful, some benefit that I can get from this. So he said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to study all the theologians and all the historical data. And I'm going to find, you know, where did the Bible actually come from? 
particularly the New Testament. So what the true origins of Jesus shows pretty much convincingly because he draws upon dozens of experts who devoted their lives to, to trying to answer these questions is that the, the stories of Jesus go back way before the time that the New Testament was written. Sorry to break the ice here, break some people's bubbles rather. I heard uh, pop. Uh, you know, I but if you if you're not sure and if you feel that's a bit of a threat, then uh, don't worry. I still think the book's worth reading because Jeff is not saying that this is that anybody's done anything wrong. He's not saying that you've been lied to. He's not saying that the people who wrote the Bible were, you know, were con, con trying to con everybody. Not at all. In fact, the opposite. What Jeff's trying to say is that mythology story is evolutionary, that it comes, it's come out of multiple civilizations, multiple religious beliefs, right. Egyptian, right. Babylonian, uh, Buddhist. Uh, and so on, and, and he traces all of these origins in this book. And together, they 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 came together. They found a a pivot point in the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm not going to spoil. You know, I'm not going to throw a spoiler. So you know, if you start reading the book, I I tell you what the you know the punchline is. But in the end of the day, what Jeff is saying is that the human psyche yearns for God. Right. The human psyche um, has within it a Jesus figure, um, a symbol that we we can identify with, but who also has healing qualities in you know right. in in our lives. So, can Jesus heal? According to yeah, um, were there multiple stories of Jesus healing that came from other traditions? Yes. So. Is this is it? What's more important that Jesus was actually a real human who walked on earth, or that the myth of Jesus can actually transform the the human psyche and bring healing and wholeness and and a meaningful life in, in a purposeful way? So, so that's the sort of the background to the book. My my question to you, Tony. Sure. Is if Jesus wasn't actually a real man. Um, does that mean that everything else in the New Testament is null and void? Does, does it wipe everything out? No, not in my okay. mind. Not in my mind. And you stole my thunder because I was going to ask each and <laughs> each of you, um, you do not subscribe. Do you or do you not subscribe to the fact, or not the fact, do you subscribe to the thought that Jesus was a real person? That I'll he really Dean, did walk the earth? I'll let Dean take that. Well, thanks, Colm. Um, I, so I, I, because story is so powerful, and because I had to make a choice, as I discovered, you know, what Jeff wrote about here, I had to make a choice. Did I want to still believe in the Jesus in the Gospels, the four Gospels in the Bible? And my answer was yes. I want to still yes. believe that. That, trying to live like that is trying to live in deep integrity. Right. Trying to live like that is saying, hey, I can, my biggest thing when I get lost, when I get confused, is to love, 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 love myself, right. love other people. So as I journeyed through all this, and when I would get to those deep, confusing places, which 
you know, I think every spiritual journey has those. Then I said, at the end of the day, I want to still believe that and imagine Jesus as a man walking right. this earth. Right. The thing is, you know, one of you are asked the first question, what are some of the greatest myths? One of those myths is that he was God. He never claimed that. Never. And but, you know, Christianity did Yes. He never claimed that he was sending people to hell. He never claimed that you had to say some prayer to get into heaven, that you had right. to believe Jesus Christ died on the, on the cross for your sins. It, he never, none of that ever happened. It's not even in the Bible. Then the Bible doesn't even call itself the word of God. All those things that are in religion or in the Southern Baptist or Christianity itself, they, they don't say that in the Bible. So how do you do it? You, sometimes you got to say, what would it look like? If Jesus walked this earth, what, 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 and how does that reflect back on me and how I walk this earth? That's my answer to that. Colm, do you want to comment on that or? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, um, I'm a big fan of a very early um, psychologist called uh, Dr. Uh, Carl Jung, mm -hmm. which some people will have heard of or at least seen quotes, you know, Carl Jung said this and Carl Jung said that. And um, the reason why I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of his, and this is sort of a roundabout answer to your question. I am going to answer your question. Um, Carl Jung said that, that mythology or story, so take or, or, you know, the Greek mythology, the Greek stories, for example, um, and, you know, Odysseus and and the you know, the monsters with seven eyes and, and all of that <laughs> stuff and all the different gods, you know, uh, that the Greeks had and the Romans, you know, and their mythology, the Egyptians and and, and all of their stuff. And, and Jeff in the book, you know, quotes a lot of this. And what Carl Jung said was something really interesting, which has always kind of stuck with me and I can't really move on from it. So I, I'll tell you what it is. He said that... Deep within the human mind, there is this sort of chaotic world. How do you know? Well, when you go to sleep and you dream, for example, um, most of those dreams make little sense. They're pretty, you know, it's pretty much chaos. And it's like they live in this pit of the, of the human psyche, the, of the human consciousness. And every now and again, they need to express themselves. And he said that the 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 conflicts and the trials and the confusion of, of, our, of our own minds, which we all live with, um, the way they try and make sense of themselves is through story and mythology. And the Jesus myth um, is one of those basic human, what he called archetypes, the, right. the, the persona of Jesus is there not just within Christianity, it's there as Krishna in Hinduism, and it's there as Buddha in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. um, it's there as Isis in Egyptian mythology, and so on and so on and so on. Um, and one of the groups that existed, which a lot of the you know the people who went to a Southern Baptist Sunday school would never heard of, but one of the, <laughs> one of the most powerful groups that existed at the time that the New Testament was being written was a bunch of guys and women called the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, Gnostics, which means knowledge, to know. So what did so these guys were actually more prevalent 
and more influential um, in the Middle East at the time of the early, you know, the early writing of, of the Gospels. Um, and they were so powerful, so much so that the Gospel writers wrote them out. <laughs> uh, that's why we haven't heard of them. I mean, and that's then, why they're not common knowledge. Yeah, they wrote them out. Why? Because mm. they basically wanted to say, we don't want you the early Christians, we don't want you to think like the Gnostics thought. I mean, there was one guy, Simon Simon Magus. Do you remember him in the in the Acts of the Apostles? Uh, the magician who was, um, Paul told him to cease. Do you remember that? I don't know if you yes, know that story. I do. Um, uh, that's the other thing I recommend that, that people with a good, strong Christian background do, is, is, is go and read the Bible. By the way, that's um, oh, really I was idea. I was definitely made to read the Bible. Yes, because <laughs> um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, it is. So he was he was actually a Gnostic. This guy was a Gnostic. So what the Gnostics believed and what the Christian Church in its early days tried to steer everybody away from was instead of trying to find the Christ within which Carl Jung later called the self. So rather than find your own divine self, which resonates with Eastern culture and Eastern belief, for example, instead of trying looking for that guy or girl, um, turn your eyes upon this person called Jesus of Nazareth. So what they did and why, in a way, Christianity has been so successful is that rather than face the struggle of, of the hard work, in, in a way, of trying to find your own true self within, which you know a lot of Eastern religions encourage, um, Christianity said, no, just believe in Jesus. Let's, let's externalize that, um, that sense of the divine, and let's put it into this man called Jesus of Nazareth. And, and to justify that, let's let's make sure we've got the right stories around, you know, who he is. So he's born of God, of a virgin Mary, you know, and and we've we've got that that story going on and the theological implications of that. And um, he gathered around himself twelve disciples. Well, so did Buddha actually, but mm -hmm. let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so on and so on. So in other words, the Carl Jung said that the what what the early Christians did and why it's sort of easy in a way to believe in, in Christianity is because they took something that was really hard, which was finding the divine within yourself and you externalized it. So believe in that guy and here's all the stories that to help you understand who that guy was and you'll be fine. You'll be but, saved and so on. So, but I, I just had a thought though. Uh, uh -oh. hmm. Um, and it's based on uh, what Dean had said earlier. And mm. am I wrong to say that greater there's greater strength in the stories concerning Jesus versus the man himself? It's the stories that, you know, Jesus and I and I go back to as a kid when I was afraid of the dark going to bed. My mom would tell me that story about the disciples in the boat during the storm, mm. fearful of drowning and that Jesus walked on the water and restored their, you know, basically took away their fear. Mm -hmm. And 
as a kid, I'm, 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 I'm realizing, you know, it wasn't really the fact of Jesus walking on the water per se. It was that story of it possibly happening that took away the fear for me at night. And sure. would you say that that is more important really to delve into than if there really was a Jesus who walked this earth? Am I wrong in thinking that? No, no, you're not wrong. But not, wrong. not at all. Uh, I'll, I'll just say one quick thing. I'll hand over to Dean. But um, one of the things that about myth and the human psyche is that it's quite easy for the for the human psyche to accept story as real. Right. Um, so I'll tell you a story about Billy Graham, and if you read his his autobiography. It's all in there, so I'm not I'm not talking out of school here. So, um, and a lot of Southern Baptist. Are you there? In, yeah. I lost you. I lost you, Colm. Could you repeat what you just said? Yeah, a, a lot of um, a lot of uh, evangelical Christians fell out with Billy Graham when they when he published his autobiography because he was a big believer in telling the truth. <laughs> right. Imagine um, that. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, and uh, he said uh, that he was, you know, he was raised in, in the Baptist world and, uh, you know, he, he, he spent his whole life being growing up in the evangelical world and he got the call to the ministry and he went to theological college. And in theological college, he basically discovered what Jeff Roberts wrote in the book, our book, you know, The True Origins of Jesus, which is that actually... In all probability, the majority of the New Testament is mythology. It's stories put together to create the image of, of, of the time of Jesus as we know it. Mm -hmm. And he had a major crisis of faith. Uh, and it's, it's all in there in his autobiography. And uh, he talked, you know, he talked to his professors and, uh, you know, the pastors within. And he had a real, he basically said, I can no longer believe in the in the um, the reality of, of a human Jesus who, who, who lived on earth. You know, it, it makes more sense to me, <laughs> he said, and it's more powerful to me to, to see these as stories. Then I can do something with them. I can really... And um, somebody very wisely, and he came to the conclusion with them, that actually, if he, when he preaches, if he believes he's telling a story, and if people accept it as being factual in their minds, there is still power in the story. Yes, yes, I completely you get agree. It? I completely agree. And that is why it's so important to not disregard the Bible Correct. or the teachings of Jesus. Yes. Because building on the power of myth, all of those work to give us our own personal faith in what we believe. And um, it, it really, to me, doesn't matter whether or not, and this is just personally speaking, doesn't matter to me whether or not Jesus was a real person or that really happened. What matters to me is the faith or the philosophy that I garner from those stories in the Bible. That is what's important to me. And you know, we could talk for hours on this guys, but I, I have to, I only have about six minutes left. So what I wanted to do was basically talk about um, the book and talk about why those that are Christians, 
and those that have true concerns should read this book. Oh, I'll let Dean answer that. <laughs> is is so that I a good answer? That, I, I think that you should read the book because one, you want to, you already have the stirrings, you already have the doubts, you already have the questions inside of you, let them come out. And then, then read the book and then go read the Bible right. in light of the book. And you start to see that Jesus was never named, wasn't Christ. Jesus wasn't named Christ until Paul named him Christ, until he had his Damascus, Damascus experience. Road experience. Right, right. But what, what you see, though, or what you get to garner is that like things like the law of attraction, throw something out here, the law of attraction. It, it's almost like Christianity. Christianity got told in a way that people, you know, said, hey, it's just this this prayer I got to say and I'm saved forever. Well, I think you see pieces of the law of attraction in Jesus's teaching. You see him pointing inside to get that taken care of because that's your salvation when when you fully know your divinity. And when you fully know your divinity, all of a sudden you start to realize, oh, I actually am a creator, created right. by a creator, right. create, not to just lumber in a, in a pew on a Sunday, but to go out there and create the world that's on my heart and on my mind to do right. so, right. I think, should happen after you read this book. Guys, this has been absolutely fascinating. I want to use the last five minutes we have. If people read this book, have questions or concerns, I want to know a little bit more about what each of you does. Where can come? Where can you be reached? Uh, easy. Yeah. Colmholland.com. C-O-L-M Holland, H-O-L-L-A-N-D.com. Um, that's the best place to find me. And can anybody that has been listening to the show contact you about maybe questions or concerns they have? Absolutely. Yes, please do. Um, I'm like, I, I can talk about this stuff all day. It's, um, yeah, it's right in, it's in my heart. So, um, yeah, you've got me. <laughs> I wish we, I wish we had more time. Dean, how about yourself? Where can somebody reach you? And the same goes for me. This is, this is my work, right? This is my, even though I do these other things, when I talk to people, I, I get to help people get this clear and Dean Wilkinson, W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N, at EpicWork, E-P-O-C-H-W-O-R-K.com. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been absolutely fascinating and absolutely enlightening. And I really would like to ask the both of you, would you mind coming back to the show? We can discuss this even further. Oh, that would be an awesome. honor. Yeah. I, I, would, I would love to, because we could spend so much time on this. And so many people have so many questions and I would love to get callers to be able to call and have them ask you their questions and hear their concerns instead of doing this pre-recording. But this pre-recording has been absolutely fantastic as you two have been. And I really appreciate your time uh, coming on the show and I'm glad to hear you'll join us again. Thanks, Thank Tony. I really, I really appreciate it guys. Have a safe and wonderful evening. And I look forward to speaking to each of you again. Thank you so much. Thank you.